Looking for exciting video content live and on demand? Visit www.voiceamerica.tv for exclusive content you just can't find anywhere else. That's voiceamerica.tv. Tune in now. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Loving That Sports Talk with your host, James Loving. If you're looking for a fast-paced show that covers football and so much more, this is the place to be. Now, here's your host, formerly of the Philadelphia Eagles, James Loving. This is James Loving, the host of Loving That Sports Talk, and got co-host TJ Terry Jack. You in there? I'm here, love. Well, how you been going, Terry? Good, man. Just staying busy. Well, after last week having Tony, how can we have a better show, huh? I don't know, love. You kind of outdid yourself that time. That was my <laughs> uh, childhood idol, Tony Dorsett. Great guy. Uh, hell yeah. I remember when he used to run the ball. I was like, oh, please don't give it to him. I know he's going to score. And sure enough. <laughs> You know, I, I remember that one game. What game was that, Terry, where he had the 99-yard, remember? That yeah, I think that was against Minnesota Vikings. I lucky it won. Yeah. Lucky it won against the Eagles. <laughs> that should have been against the Eagles. <laughs> well, Terry, like I was telling you earlier, we're going to have a nice little lineup, you know, starting the week, following week. We have Emmy coming on. We're going to have Rod Stubb back. We got Jerome Bettis coming on. We got Ross Smith to play with the Broncos receiver. So we're gonna be we're gonna be full up. See what we're gonna do. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I'm really I'm really starting to turn the tide on the show. I I think you got a pretty good show now with the, all the Cowboys coming on there. <laughs> you know, I, I'm enjoying that, love. Well, you know that's how they always say the Eagles was the hardest game they ever played. You know, so yeah, absolutely. Um, that was and still is a, a really good rivalry. Um, that's why our rivalry is so good, you know. Well, Terry, I'm going to jump right on into it. You know, I'm going to have to go with one of your old teammates and my teammates, Terrell Owen, just signed with Seattle. How do you think that's going to play out? Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm happy for Terrell because we have to admit that Terrell is an outstanding player. And, um, you know, his, his play speaks for itself. He does have some uh, problems and issues. Uh, that stem in the locker room and sometimes filter out on the field. Uh, but I'm happy for him because I, I, I'm thinking he's maturing a little bit and realizing that, you know, all the silliness and, and, and stuff that's been going on that he's caused is, is really, you know, starting to turn the tide in his life. And he, I think he's understanding that, you know, his attitude, uh, is going to dictate whether he's, you know, ends up in the Hall of Fame or if he ends up broken. And without a football team, so I think he's changing. I hope he is uh, for his sake because he is a he is a great talent, and I, I would really like to see him uh, have a little bit of success. 
I didn't even think he'd get back to playing football. You know, feel like that thing that happened um, in the, uh, what's that, arena football? What's that? Yeah. I didn't think, you know, after this display with that, you know, um, Drew Pearson, one of your Cowboys. Right. As an owner, say he was the worst teammate ever to have on there. Yeah, and, you know, I, I mean, it's six here and half a dozen there. I guess there's two sides to the story, but. I thought that his age was, would, would be a factor in him, and nobody wanted to take a chance on him. But um, I guess depending on what they're paying it, you know, I guess they'll they'll try and get something out of it for it. But he's he's probably kept himself in pretty good shape. You know, he's always been in great shape. Um, that, that's never been an issue with Terrell. And what I think he's what thirty four. Yeah, he's now. around that thirty four. So he's getting up there in football age. Uh, so that would have been my thought that, you know, nobody would want to take a chance on him because of that, especially at the position he's playing. Well, we got um, Eric Glove from San Diego. Eric, what do you think about T.O. coming back into the league? Well, you know what? Um, I'm not a big T.O. fan. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. <laughs> not, not because of his ability. It's because of how he is in the locker room. And if you talk to a bunch of guys that he played with, he's like, uh, a-hole in the locker room. And what TJ was just saying, you know, part of his age is the question, but the man's workout ethic is, like, over the top. So outside of his age, physically, he could still go. He still has something in the tank. But in the locker room or around the team, he, he's negative. And that's, that's that cancer you don't want on a team when you're trying to go forward. So that's always been his issue. Is his his locker room presence? You know, there's those guys that are great teammates. Then there's guys that are, you know, those undesirables that you don't really want in the locker room or on your team. And that's kind of been his behavior throughout his career. Well, ask me this, Eric and Terry. Is it all about winning? I mean, you care about, you know. Look at Dennis Rodman. You know, his attitude all like that, but. He went out there, he performed, and that's what they wanted, to win. Am I right? Well, yeah, love you're right. It, it is about winning, but, you know, there's there's certain things that go along with that. I mean, how do you carry yourself on and off the field? What kind of person you are? When you're an athlete, you're an open book, and everybody's reading you. Um, do you want people to read what kind of, a, you know, an a-hole you are off the field and, and in the locker room? Uh, but you can, you know... You're you're a great athlete and a great receiver, and, 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 you know, you can lead the league at that. I mean, there's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah, it's about winning, but like I said, you're an open book when you're uh, when you're an athlete, and, and you want to be more than, than just known for your athleticism, at least you would think. Agree with that, I, I, totally, I, I totally agree. I agree 100% with everything TJ just said, and, and here's the add to it. You're right. You know, Love and keep bringing up the same point week in, week out. Isn't it about winning? Well, come on. They play a sport. You play to win. Isn't that the famous quote that Herman Edwards or one of them said? You play to win the game. Yeah, yeah but there's also, there's also this thing called life. When the game stops, when the game's over, you have a life. And you're talking about bringing a personality into a locker room that can mess up the team chemistry. So... Is winning important? Yes. But also, you want those character guys in your locker room and on the team and in the city in which the team is playing 
to get the fans behind you and to support. Let's think about it like this. Let's talk about the winning. Let's talk about the winning franchises. You talk about those franchises that win, do we ever hear any problems of, you know, guys acting out or guys getting in trouble? You, you mentioned Dennis Rodman. When he was with the Bulls, what was his negative? What was his negative? When he was winning championships, we heard nothing from Rodman. Okay, he dated Madonna. Big deal. But when guys are winning, we don't hear anything from them. They talked about Randy Moss, you know, and how negative he was when he was in Minnesota. When he went to New England, what did he do? He had one of his best years as he got older. But he also knew the organization and, and the coach that he was playing for, and they, held, they hold themselves to a higher standard of excellence than others. You look at Dallas, winning franchise. Winning franchise. But in these last few years, think about all the issues they've been having. So, yeah, it's about winning, but you also want some character. You don't answer, you want character. Yeah, and I see what your point, but tell me this. You say, you guys keep saying, you know, you bring in that person and they want them to have a good locker room. Sometimes that can backfire you. I mean, I hate to go there, but look at Tebow. He's a great person for a locker room, but it's backfiring. Look at all the controversy he's bringing in that locker room. Couldn't that hurt them? Look how it is. They're out there fighting. Everybody's talking about because it's Tebow thing. But, you know, that that person that you think is good for the locker room could hurt the locker room, right? But that doesn't have anything to do with Tebow. That fight, that, that, that didn't have anything to do with Tebow, uh, first of all. Second of all, it's not Tebow that's bringing any controversy. <clears throat> it's all the other people that are bringing that controversy, not Tebow. Tebow is, is, is there hoping and, and, and willing, it seems to me, to learn, you know, to, to, to help the team in any way. And, Love, you keep, you keep bringing up Tebow. And I know you don't care for him much, and, and I'm not necessarily a fan of him, but we have to agree that. Tebow is a football player. He's not. He's not out speaking, and he's not out causing problems and issues. Um, he's not saying anything against Mark Sanchez or or anybody that, that that he's got to fight for a job to, you know, against or anything like that. That's everybody else. That's all the white noise around that's making that difficult. You agree with that, Glover? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. See, the thing, every, everything with TJ, what TJ just said, correct, hands down, again. But the thing with Tebow is, it's not Tebow. It's the media that's creating Tebow. Tebow, Tebow tells you something, how he is faithfully, and so the media takes it and run away with it. They run off with it, excuse me. So now, that's the story to tell. Everybody, everybody keeps, you know, bringing Tebow up. Tebow, Tebow, Tebow. It's a good thing for Tebow. But let's look back when he was in Denver. They talk about the whatever the record was, seven and three, however many wins he had. They keep talking about it. But let's talk about the defense. Let's talk about the defense that he had out there. You know, outside of the, the playoff game where he threw the pass and the guy ran the 70, 80 yards, most of those comeback wins is where the kicker kicked field goals. So it wasn't like Tebow was scoring. Yes, he's in charge of the offense. But the kicker was kicking 53-yard field goal and 56-yard field goal. So if you calculate, break down the field, how many yards did Tebow actually get him for the kicker to have to kick a 56? Not taking anything away from his athletic ability. Because one thing we do know, and it's always interesting how we classify Tebow, no one calls him a quarterback. 
It's always like, Tebow's a great athlete. Tebow's a great player. Tebow's this. But no one ever says, Tebow's a heck of a pro quarterback. And, and that's yeah. what's always funny to me. Is nobody never calls him a quarterback. That's right. That's, for all, you know, that's all the naysayers. Oh, Tebow's this, Tebow's that. But Tebow is an NFL quarterback. That's where he was drafted. And nobody, just like you said, well, nobody can sit there and say that Tebow is a great quarterback. His ability to throw that football is outstanding. Tebow is a great athlete. That's what right. Tebow is. And you can't take anything away from him, and it ain't his fault. No, what, what I was is. getting at, you know, and that glove kind of hit on it, but he didn't go all into it. But huh. what I'm saying is it can hurt you because, it's like what Glove say. The, the defense did uh, won a game for him. Nobody said that. It's all Tebow. You know, that's my point. I'm saying that the Jets or the, all these people can tie them in about Tebow and there's other players on the team. And Glove, you hit on Love saying the kicker kick the field goal. But what did everybody say on the thing? Tebow won another game. Am I right? You're absolutely right. But you got you to gotta remember, this is this, these are beat writers. Their job is to sell newspaper, is to sell stories. Now, you're, you're talking about the fights that the Jets are having in training camp. The Jets have always been a circus. That's always been a circus. Once they hired Rex Ryan as the coach, it became a circus because, see, he thought it was okay for them to stay and to be however they wanted to be as long as they were winning. But when the winning stopped, now you can't change those personalities and characters because you've let them get away with it for so long. You, you're like, oh, it's okay to be an a-hole. I mean, when you're watching, when you watch them on Hard Knocks that year, you know, if you ever watch Hard Knocks on HBO, not that I'm giving a, a little pitch, but if you watch them, these dudes are walking on the field eating McDonald's cheeseburgers before a game. Then they go out there and perform below par, and now he has an attitude and he wants to bring up the fact that they're eating cheeseburgers. Or the kicker, who don't even lift weights, he delivers shake weight to the whole team. You know, so it just lets you know the type of environment that the Jets have. It's a circus out there. And so people going, it just adds to the circus. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> yeah, but if you had to the circus, why would you bring that circus into your locker room? I mean, you're right. Tebow ain't going to be stupid enough enough to say, you know, I think Mark Sanchez is bad and I want to, I'm going to start start over or this and that. I mean, nobody's going to come out and say that unless so you're look, This is about. This is about money and selling tickets. And if you think Tebow is not going to fill up your stadium, you got to be kidding me, because he will. And that's what this is all about. I, my personal opinion, I do not think that Tebow is going to be a great NFL quarterback. I don't. Will he be better? Will he be halfway decent? Absolutely, he possibly can. But he's, it's a long time out there, okay? But Tebow will sell tickets. He will sell jerseys. And uh, he'll bring some people there. Uh, right. Well, go ahead, Glove. No, I'm going, I'm, no, I'm adding what TJ's saying. Correct. It's like this. Think about the hype that Tebow bought to Denver by winning those games along with his teammates. Think about all the hype. Think about all the merchandising and, and all the money that Denver made. Okay? Now, let's think about the transformation from Tebow to uh, we don't know what we're getting with Peyton Manning. He won a Super Bowl. He has a pretty good year. So now we bring him to Denver. Now everybody's excited, but they're going to only be as excited once Peyton starts playing. So 
So now what's been holding back the Jets in New York? They've had teams for the last three years, and they've played so far because of their quarterback. So now we bring a guy that's kind of proven in the fourth quarter, went in the fourth quarter with the last couple of years in the playoffs and the championship. We couldn't score any points, so it's not a controversy in quarterbacks and the Jets, but it really is because in the back of Mark Sanchez's head, now he either has to perform or he knows there's somebody that they're willing to bring in because I'm going to tell you right now, if Rex Ryan, if he's not winning this year, if they're playing subpar with everything that go, that's going on, he's out. Yeah, he's I out. agree. You know what, we you know what the controversy is going to be is in the fourth quarter. <laughs> we, we, you know what, I'll just want to say something on that. What we're going to do, we're going to take a break, and then we come back. What Glove's saying is, I hope you ain't saying what I'm thinking, Glove's saying. Tebow is going to take them to that step they need because he's a four-core player. I hope that's not what you're saying, Glove. Hey, we'll talk about it when we get back. We'll come back. Yo, this is Jay Loving on Loving Us Sports Talk with TJ Terry Jackson Coach. And we got Eric Glove of San Diego, a Tebow fan. Be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. We some hard hitters, we some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard Hitting Radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Engelhart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Engelhart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. We'll be right back. 
You're hooked up with Loving That Sports Talk. James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. We are back. And after we were on break, Terry and Eric was talking about Tebow, but my point is, you know, and you guys know this for sure. When you come into the league, you ever talk about the Jets should have been in the Super Bowl two years ago, and Terry talked about Tebow and Mark Sanchez, not just quarterback. You know it takes five years to become an NFL quarterback. Five years. You can't sit there. Only a couple quarterbacks done something. Ben, ben done something when he first came in the league. And I think that was the other quarter, only quarterback that really done something. But it takes five years for a quarterback to excel and learn how to play the game of uh, football in the NFL. You guys agree with that? No, let me hear what you say. Absolutely. I agree with that, love. But that's so why y'all on Sanchez. Why are you always talking about Tebow? Tebow this, Tebow that. Uh, you, you got to give, give him five years then. This is his second year. Give him five I, years I, before I, you start, you know, downplaying it. Sanchez has had his shot, man. He's had his shot. He's had great teams. Um, he's, he's been around, you know, good players. He had good players around him. Um, but just as, as, as Glove was saying, he just couldn't cut it, man. He, he, he disappeared, um, or, or whatever the situation was, but it all revolves around him. And, and if I'm not mistaken, remembering back, thinking back, it was interceptions that he threw that cost him games. Hey, you hear that? Hey, you asked. You're absolutely right. You know, everybody, everybody. Here, let me let me start. Let me start where where my point is going. You know, going the direction of Sanchez. For me, everybody talk about these quarterbacks from SC and Sanchez is a quarterback from SC. Love talks about it takes five years to become an NFL quarterback. You look at the tools around these guys when they get on teams once they're drafted, and then you can kind of project the length of time it'll take, you know. Sanchez came into a situation where look at all the tools he had around him at, at SC. Then he came to the league. He had even better guys around him. On, all, on defense, team. not offense, glove. When Sanchez came to the Jets, they had a team on offense and they had a, they had a defense. That That team was projected to go to the championship game, which they did. He got to the championship game, as TJ said, interceptions. They had to settle for field goal. That was his rookie year. Second year in the game, same thing happened as well. You know, and, and this is me personally. In big games, when I've seen Sanchez playing big games, when the money's on the line, their offense have always had to settle for field goals. So what do they do? They go out and they get they get red zone receivers, which was my man that shot himself in the leg or the foot, um, Spaxico. You know, they go get a running back. They go get all the things they need to make a run. At the end of the day, TJ said it best, it, it falls back on the quarterback. And Sanchez have never lived up to the hype. If Sanchez was the guy that the Jets think he is or could be, they wouldn't have went and got Tebow. Why, why do you go get a guy? that's proven in the fourth quarter, 
that you know, that you know can potentially take your starting franchise quarterback's job from him? Why do you go do something like that unless you, you believe in your guy as a quarterback? You know, you don't, you don't bring, uh, bring him in to have a quarterback controversy. You don't bring him in, you know, just to sit him on the bench because you want a real strong backup. You bring him in because you know there's deficiencies in the fourth quarter that you haven't been able to overcome in the last three years. And this guy here, regardless of what you want to call him, I'm not a fan of his, but guess what? He finds a way to get the ball in the end zone when the money's on the line. And I found that out last year, too. <laughs> but, but you keep saying he finds a way. He wasn't getting the ball in the end zone. After that, the defense, he had the runner get back. McGay, he running the ball. It wasn't always him getting the ball in. Glove. Y'all keep saying he did it. McGay, the kicker, you know, the defense did something. What did people – I didn't see nothing. He did. he did one thing against the Jets. He ran the ball in the end zone. That was the only game, Glove. Y'all tell me where he did something else. Remember the playoff game against Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Yeah, okay, too. Pittsburgh. And and that's on Pittsburgh, the, that coverage they were in. So, so, but what was the outcome? Touchdown won the game. There you go. So so regardless, you talking coverage, you talking apples and oranges. See, you you can't you can't deny the fact. Right, they had a strong defense. You're absolutely right. They had they had a nice running game. You're absolutely right. But he had a bunch of unnamed receivers that was willing to put their life, their life on the line and catch balls from this quote-unquote unquarterback NFL quarterback, and somehow they ended up in the playoffs. Like I said before, I'm not a Tebow fan. I just look at what I see. And the guy has led his team, be it via the defense, be it the kicker, be it the running game, but they did have a winning record last year. And when you've got to set up eight in the box to stop this, this running game, hey, yeah, a squirrel's going to find a nut every once in a while in the blind. Okay? He's not that horrible of a quarterback not to be able to throw and, and, and complete some passes. So, well, well, tell me this. Remember when Miami came out with that um, that little office that Tebow run, whatever that is, that's the um, whatever that is. They was killing everybody that year. They couldn't stop Miami. Miami won 10 games. Next year, everybody caught on to it. They couldn't do it. You don't think everybody gonna catch on to that? You know, now with Tebow this year. Well, they might. Um, they might catch on a little bit. They might catch on. Now he got to pass the ball, and what's that gonna cost? Interception that he cannot throw the ball. But here, here's the deal. He's not that horrible. He will complete some passes, and that may be all you need when you got eight in the box and you're trying to stop the Wildcat or whatever offense that they're running. Okay, and then and you can pass out of that formation. It's not like they're all going to fall incomplete. Okay, and it's all about moving the chains, and that's what they do. That's what Tebow was doing was moving the chains. You tell me if Tebow got to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game, he's going to be successful. Come on. He don't have to. He don't have to. And no, and, and he wouldn't be successful. That's my point. He's not a great, he's not a good NFL quarterback. Okay, but he's a good enough athlete. And he proved it last year in Denver to win ball games. It's not just about throwing. He's not a throwing quarterback. <laughs> you agree with that, Glove? He got to throw forty times a game. He's going to be okay. But 
seriously, he's not be able. He's not gonna have to. You will when they stop that run and shoot whatever he's running. Well, you know what? <laughs> with, with what you what you notice, what you notice in, in any on any NFL team, the offense is adjusted to the quarterback itself. You know, now we're up here talking about. See, I have an issue because they try to call quarterbacks elite, and they've only won one Super Bowl, or or because you throw for three or four thousand yards that make you an elite quarterback. So now we do the comparison of the the higher up quarterbacks, which people put Breeze and. Rogers and um, Manny, Eli, and and Peyton Manning. No, Eli's never in that category. Eli's never in that category with his brother. You know, and they rarely talk about Tom Brady in that category. You know, when they throw out names, they throw out Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning. Then they'll say, oh, yeah, Brees, the guy in Pittsburgh, the big guy. You know, with certain names, and then they go to that second level of quarterbacks, which is your Michael Vick. You know, quarterbacks like Cobb and those guys, and then they talk about the the Tebow and all the other quarterbacks. So, so what you have to look at is most offenses are geared around their quarterback. Now, what they'll do for Tebow is they'll throw a certain selection of plays in there that suits his ability. You know, and that's what the NFL does. They're just their offense which that's what your boy Rex Ryan said, they're going to have certain packages for Tebow. Now, are they trying to get him to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game? If he can do it, yes, but probably no. There'll be a certain package, like you said, with Miami and the Wildcats. There'll be a Tebow package. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what they're looking for. You know, just to offset what Mark Sanchez is doing, they'll give him a package of plays that best suits his ability. Absolutely. Do y'all see, let me ask you this, do y'all see the Jets going on the win and be successful with Tebow this year? With or without Tebow, I don't think they will be. (laughs) Tebow doesn't factor in, in in my opinion. I don't think he helps them or necessarily hurts them. For me, for me, this 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 is mine right here. I think the Jets have too many internal issues to win ball games. Personally, I think they got too much going on internally to win ball games. Um, Mark Sanchez has a new offensive coordinator this year, so we'll see how he makes that adjustment. Also, having Tebow, you know, looking over his shoulder, we'll see how he plays there. But I think come mid-season, if not earlier, I see Tebow taking over the reins. In New York. Well, yeah, we all know that's going to happen because the fans going to make that happen. Because <laughs> one time Mark Sanchez messing up, you know, like they did in Denver, they're going to start hollering T-Roll name and they're going to be pressure to put him in. You know, so how you go from Port Street to the start, you know, over Brady Quinn and, um, you know, I don't see it. You know well, what would even make it better? I think they should bring Jeremy Lin and make him a receiver. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they're talking about that one guy that ran track over there in Jamaica to become a receiver. What's his name? Man, oh. man it's no way. No way. They're talking, they're talking about that, the fastest man in the world. Yeah, until he get hit. <laughs> yeah. <A little> more. 
Hey, ask Willie Dog. Ask Willie Dog. Ask Ronaldo Nehemiah. Ask all those guys, uh, Ron Brown, all them track guys about football. Remember, Carl Lewis was the fastest in the world. And uh, he came out to the Olympics after his five, six gold medal year. And when they asked him to play, what did Carl tell you? <laughs> what did Carl say? Hey, Carl said, I don't care how good looking them guys are. There's no way you get me on that football field. <laughs> well, let's just change the tie, you know. This is Tebow we keep talking about is the Saints. What is going to go on with this with the Saints, you know? I see the um, the commissioner. He signed him back down. He got to cut his suspension. And is that saying that they they guilty? That they didn't get all the evidence against this guy, or what? Well, you know, well, I don't know. And I, I spoke about this earlier on as well. And I, and I thought it was going to be pretty difficult for them to punish individual players unless they had an overwhelming amount of evidence. And when they came out with the punishment, they handed was it. How do you pronounce his name? Bomer? Filmer. Filmer? Filmer. When, when they handed him down that, that one-year suspension of 16 games, I'm thinking, wow, they must they must have something on this guy. But now it seems like, you know, the, what is the players' union and everybody, they're like, whoa, let's, let, let's check this out. Why are we, you know, why are we doing this? Let's fight this and see where we come up with. Well, maybe they didn't have that overwhelming evidence on this guy to justify this, this big suspension. But I don't know. I mean, we don't know what's, what, what evidence Roger Goodell had. So that, that makes it interesting. So we'll see what happens. I don't, I don't know if, if, if they want to back down. I heard they made him an offer and said eight games um, if you don't continue on with this suit. So... I mean, who knows? Uh, maybe they're trying to save face. I, I don't know. Well, the bottom line is this right here, and and you have a you have a commissioner in play for for situation to uphold rules and bylaws and things like that. And the thing with this is this right here: the guys were called to New York. They had time to respond. They had time to present their case, and they chose not to. The man had plenty of opportunity. I'm talking about Vilma. He had plenty of opportunity because it's like this. As a player, you do what you're supposed to do that your coach asks you to do. If you don't, then you're out of a job. So he's only following orders that was handed down to him from his coaches. So is he at fault? Yes. And no, it's one of those catch-22s because if your coach tells you to do something which pertains to you playing, then you should do it. But now if it's something detrimental and negative, then it's that judgment call. But he had plenty of time to present his case in front of the commissioner, and he chose not to go to New York the two or three times that he was summoned. So should, should there be actions taken? Of course. But the whole year... The spin without pay, it's a little harsh. Yeah, but what, don't you think, Glove and Terry, that he was protecting his coaches? That's why he didn't go there and, you know, state his case and, you know, say, hey, you know, put his coaches out there on blast. Isn't that, you know, you know, not being a snitch, what you would call it, and, you know, 
Well, he, he may have been doing that. But the bottom line it boils down to is, uh, am I going to be able to play and get paid for what I'm playing for, or am I going to protect somebody and, and get suspended and not get paid? Um, who knows? Who, whose idea was this? Who got this all put together? Was it him? Was it the coach? Or was it him and the coach? Um, there's just a lot of, lot of stuff out there that we don't know to, you know, to make an honest assessment. We, we don't have the information that Roger Goodell had or, or all the people involved had. But still, nonetheless, how much, are, how, how long are you going to protect your coach? And to what cost? Supposedly, right. Supposedly there were phone conversations, texts and things like that that went back and forth. But, but right, everything you, everything that you're saying is, is absolutely correct. How long do you protect? And then when it's ready to cut off your livelihood, at some point you got to stand up and be a man because guess what? It's like this. Um, did your coaches tell you, uh, talk to you about a bounty? You plead the fifth. And you tell them, I'll answer any question that has to do with me, my name, me as a player. Anything that has to do with the coaches, you have to ask the coaches those questions. And, and that's how you conduct your interview or your, your Q&A. You don't have to answer questions that pertain to the coach. All you do is answer questions that pertain to you. Did you know of anything about a bounty? No. Did you ever put down money on a bounty? No. Did the coaches ever tell you? No. You know, you answer the questions pertaining to you, not to everybody else, because you're trying to save yourself. You're trying to play this year. You're trying to, you know, get paid and save your livelihood. But at some point, like TJ said, hey, the coaches can get another job, but the coaches can do whatever they have to do, but you have to worry about yourself. Yeah. What we're going to do, we're going to take another break. I'm, we're going to hit on just a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you heard about that story about the young girl in the Olympic and NBC put that report out about her. You guys hear about that? What report? About her mom, the, the, the one with hair. the mom, the mom's house went in foreclosure or whatever? No, the other one where they, she was performing and they said she had nappy hair. Remember that one? <laughs> we'll talk about the Olympics. And then we get into um, coming back and talk about training camp and stuff. Not training camp, but um, preseason game was started up. So we'll take another break and we'll come back. We'll get those stories in and see what you guys think about it. We'll be right, right. back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia college sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. 
Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network. And let's talk football. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're hooked up with loving that sports talk James Loving and his guests want to hear it from you. Call us at 1-888-346-9144. That's 888-346-9144. Or drop an email to lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com. Now, back to the show. This is James Loving, back to the show. We're loving that sports talk. I call TJ Terry Jackson. we got main man. Eric Glover from San Diego, California. Guy, we were talking about the Olympics, uh, the young girl that was playing. And I, I, you hit on it before, Glover, when you told me that the media want to attack and they want to, if they fail, I think that's how you put it, they want to fail first. And Terry, you were talking about, you know, they, they go and find every little thing, you know, to pick out negative. But isn't that what we look for in, in the newspaper and on the news and all like that, the negative stuff? Yeah, you know, you know the sad part about it? With, with the media is that we want those nice, good, wholesome, good, goodwill stories. And you look at the, the young lady that's winning the gold medals in gymnastics, it's a good story. But then also within the good story, you know, you talk about the hard work and the dedication. You know, with all that, you also have to talk about sacrifices that was made. And so the sacrifices being the mom, you know, the money issue and things like that. So for all the goods, and all the good that she's doing, the negative which comes with it is now we hear that, you know, the mom's house, she had to foreclose on her house, and the mom's filing bankrupt, you know, bankruptcy and things like that. And, and for me, I think it's, 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 it's negative. I mean, here it is at the height of her career with all her glory and, and everything that she's accomplished, you know, we try to tear her down or tear it down by saying, the negative things that her family is going to, which for me, and I'm saying probably for a lot of other people, that shouldn't even be an Olympic story or an issue. We shouldn't have to hear about the negative or the negative things that are going on in the background unless the parents bring it up. It shouldn't be the media who's, who's trying to give that negative portrayal of these individuals. Hey, Ernest. 
Terry. I agree. I'm sorry I lost connection, guys, but it's it's sickening that you can sit up there and you can see a mother happy for her daughter, you know, and, 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 and all the accomplishments that, that, that she's had for the United States of America, for her country, the country that, that, that she is there to represent. And then her own country ends up turning around and making making some negative uh, negative remarks or, or, or negative light of her great accomplishment by saying those kinds of things about her family that are there to give her the the, the love, help, and support that uh, that she needs in order to do this for her country. I think it's sick. Um, I, I really wish people could be held accountable for that. And, and why are they even airing those kinds of, of, of things? Why are they even talking about that? Why are, why are these newspaper articles and, and, and stuff like that, why are they even being able to print stuff like that? It's, it's, it's sickening, especially when we're there at the, at the Olympics representing the United States. Why is that a, why is that a topic? The thing about that, Terry, is you're right. And the thing about it is they had to take her a lot to beat out everybody to go and get that spot. You know that? Because they have, like, trials, you know. So she had to be the best to beat out to go to the Olympics, you know. Yeah. And the second thing about it is, like you say, you know, what is that a negative of our country make a negative of her and she wouldn't have gold for our country, you know. It, it, it's well, sad. I, I totally, hey, I agree with both of you guys. I mean, it's kind of it's, it's kind of heart-wrenching. When you see when you see the million dollar smile she has, regardless of how she looked, her skin color, what the what the features of her hair, her lips, and all that is, you got to remember it's, it's it's for America. She's doing it, but she's doing it for for her country, and and to slap her in the face or to insult her family, and to me it's an insult to the country, you know, because of because of what's being said. You know, you go to these other countries that are impoverished. And things like that. We don't hear about the athletes coming out of slums or coming out of ghettos or what kind of jobs their parents are working or what the financial situation is like. Only in America do they build you up to tear you down. Yeah, I always. Go ahead, sir. It, it, it makes no sense, um, and you're absolutely right. It makes no sense at all. I, I totally agree. You know that's that, but. I did hear that she got a, a cereal, you know, she don't know cereal. She's making $20 million for that. So, that's good for, good for her. Hello? Hello. We're in here. Well, guys, I'm the rest of I had to get that story out because, like you say, you see things like that and it kind of makes you mad, you know. I tear a little girl down and she over there giving her all for us, you know. I mean, well, let's let's think in terms of, you know, you talk about, you know, she's a young lady. Let's talk about what the Williams sisters had to go through when they first started out at tennis. You know, when, when Venus and Serena first started, all the negative that was behind their dad training them and, and all the sacrifices he made for them and how, you know, I think it was Martina Navratilova because nobody would sponsor them at the beginning, so Martina Navratilova would, would give them outfits. She made she made the company that was sponsoring her give them rackets and give them outfits in order for them to perform in tennis. So it's just another another side of just how America is, man. It's, don't don't think it's changed 
because we got a black president. I mean, it, it, it's still good old America, you know, and, and all that negativity is still out there. And, and every now and then it surfaces and you, it reminds you that you're still in good old America. What was wrong with the dance Serena did after she won? Why was that such an issue? I, I don't get that either. You know, why was that brought up? She emulated that dance that those gangsters do called the Crip Walk. Uh-huh. So that was the negative that... It, it's funny you say that, TJ. I, I, I wanted to mention that. That's what I was talking about. Serena and Venus. I was watching the, the match with Serena, and there were some guys that I was sitting around that are, you know, in jail. I was at work, and they were sitting there, and they were like, oh, my God, Serena just did the Crip Walk on national TV at a tennis championship. <laughs> and, and I was like, she did just do the Crip Walk. I mean, I was surprised <laughs> to see her do it, but it's amazing how people notice the dance that she did. So it's right. like a gangbanger dance that signifies in, West, in South, South Central L.A., it just signifies the gang that they're from, which, is, mm-hmm. which was the Crips. So they made up their own little dance, and they called it the Crip Walk. Yeah. And see, I didn't even know that. But tell me this, Glove. Is not is everybody not done the crip uh, the crip walk dance at, at one point in time? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's it became after it's Boys in the Hood, after Boys in the Hood and certain little movies that were filmed about gang banging. Now crip crip walking is it's a dance. It's a it's a natural dance. People could be at a party and they'll start crip walking. It doesn't mean they're crip. They're just dancing. Right. Right. Well, well do it at a wedding or, or a reception or anything. Look at the Hey, look at the baseball player for the Giants. Um, center fielder, what was his name? Mitchell, left fielder. Remember, he used to always throw a sign up when he catch the ball to the stand. Everybody like, oh, he in the game. Remember that? Well, he's from San Diego. You talking about Kevin Mitchell? I know him. Kevin Mitchell. He's from San Diego. Yeah, he's from San Diego, and he was at one point part of uh, the Sendo, which is a blood gang in San Diego. And so he had strong ties to the gang. So when he would either hit a home run or catch a ball in the outfield, he would throw up the sindle, the sindle sign. Hey, Ben. Go ahead. No, I was saying it's just, it's just the same. But see, when you're saying something like that, remember years ago when Ken Griffey Jr., I think we might be getting off the subject of what we're talking about. But anyway, when Ken Griffey Jr. had his head backwards, and all the old white players made a comment about that not being the way, the way to wear baseball caps. And now, 10 years later, 15 years later, everybody in baseball and all white guys and a lot of guys in general all wear their hats turned around backwards. But years ago, it was an issue when King Griffey did it. Hmm. So it was just a change of the time. Yeah. That's all it is, a change of the time. Well, guys, let's get on to uh, preseason what's going on. Um, there's a couple of games, but do we even care about the preseason games, guys? I mean, you get your, your, your star players, they only play maybe, what, a quarter, even if that, you know, is it worth those games, guys? Yeah, sometimes it's kind of hard to, to watch preseason games and get into it, but I think it just, you know, it gets you in the, the swing of football, it gives you a chance to look at some of the new guys that are coming up um, and some of the, you know, fresh draft picks that your team or, or other teams may have gotten and, and, and get a feel for them and, and how they're going to do. But, yeah, it's kind of difficult to get into them. 
Uh, at least for me, it is. I could, I could, you know, I'm not a, sad to say I'm not one of those guys that sit down in front of TV and watch a whole lot of TV. I do from time to time, but I think for most people, because of the sports that we've had over the summer, quote-unquote, people are kind of joneses for football, so they're ready for preseason because that's the start of tailgating, drinking, and all the above that they've already been doing, but now they can even do it on a grander scale, you know, but also you got to look at there's a lot of things going on with Peyton Manning coming back after a year or two on a new team. Sad to say it again, everybody's favorite name, Tebow, on a new team. You know, Andrew Luck taking over in Indianapolis for Peyton Manning. RG3 taking over in Washington. You know, so there's a lot of things that people have to look forward to. Now, how much time they're going to play, we don't know. But then outside of all that, tomorrow night for the first time ever, we get a female referee, a female official in the NFL. So I guess that's something to look at. I actually, well, I'm glad you brought that up. I got a uh, a text email to, uh, to talk about that first female ref is going to be in there. So now we're going to throw it out there, Glove. Tell what you guys think about that. Hey, my thing is, you know, not to start the controversy, you know, but the women need to stay making the wings and the nachos in the kitchen and leave a man and where they be a man. That's my point. What do you guys think? Well, you know, they got they got female referees in basketball, and that was kind of a big issue, but. Once they get out there on the field, they're doing their job. You don't notice. You know, I I don't even notice uh, that one gal. Uh, she's a black gal. I don't know her name. I mean, that's how important that is to me. It doesn't matter. It's not going to change the game. It has you agree with me, Let me stay in the kitchen, right? Well, <laughs> if you say so, look. <laughs> well, I don't know what you're doing. Hey, well, unlike unlike uh, those two barbaric men, I think it's a beautiful thing to have a woman out there, you know, refereeing the game. I guess from what they say, she came from the NBA, and she said those guys in the NBA are vicious, like name-calling, you know, giving her a hard time. So she wanted to try the NFL. I'm like, what's going to make it a difference? Because those guys out there are going to be worse. I think somebody yeah. I think personally yeah. somebody's going to try to run her over. I think somebody's really going to try to run her over or, or somehow somebody's going to try to hit her. So I, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a step forward for the women. You know, I don't believe women should be in the kitchen making nachos and wings. So that, for, for me personally, I think men cook better anyway. So I don't think they should be in the kitchen. <laughs> so I don't... So I don't mind them refereeing. I don't. I don't have those male female issues. You know what I'm saying? Like it seems uh, our host James Levin has. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you see, Jerry. Jerry kind of agrees with you. Like, oh, I get them that. Uh-uh. No, no. I, you know, hey, I, I don't have any issues like that either. Uh, as long as they know what they're doing, let them do whatever they want to do. You know, I mean, women hunt. Uh, women pay fish. Uh, women can do a number of things that, that we men think, you know, we do so well. But, you know, I'm the glove. I don't have them issues, man. Jerry's not trying to sleep on the couch tonight. He's Jerry smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, I'm good. Kathy did call in, right? So I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, hey, TJ, but, uh, I, I guarantee that text came from Kathy. <laughs> oh, <I bet> you. 
Y'all got jokes, right? It's all good. I can take the jokes. I can take them. But, guys, next week, you know, we got to look at, see what the hell that female rep do tomorrow, Glove, and then, um, Terry, we'll talk about that next week, and then uh, we'll talk about um, all the injuries that report coming up, you know, who all got hurt and all that next week. So, next week, we have another good show, guys. All right, Glove. All right, thanks again, Terry and Glove. See y'all next week. All right, take all care, right. guys. Have a good day. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Loving That Sports Talk. But don't worry, James Loving will be back next week, Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ready to love more sports talk then. And keep in touch with James all week at lovingthatsportstalk at yahoo.com.